0: You're listening to Band Geek with Richie Castellano on the Riotcast Network.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to Band Geek. Richie here, uh, and I'm joined today by Jarrett Pressman. Hello. It- what the
2: hell was that? <laughs> it was me saying hello.
1: <laughs> I just heard like a blah, blat on my uh, recording. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I see it. I see it. I'm, you know what? We're going to listen back later. I'm going to see if the
2: blah is there. Anyway, <laughs> if not, also- then you're going to have to put in some weird sound so you don't sound like a
1: lunatic. <laughs> don't... <laughs> Do not put, do not put, think, what was that sound? What are these bees? <laughs> do not put me above doing that. Uh, and also joining me today is Andy Escalise. Hello. Are
2: you going to put it in like some weird kooky
0: sound? Blah! Uh, it's, it's, gonna, it's just going to be me going, was blah! It, is it a body
1: sound? <laughs> no, it's, it was like a, a, a hard drive. An involuntary body <laughs> sound. <laughs>
2: It was a hard drive Was it me up, moving sound. my chair? No, <laughs> because the legs are under such immense stress. <laughs> um, so,
1: there's one thing I wanted to talk about before we get get started. Um, it's about non musicians communicating with musicians. Like, I have an echoey sound in my headphones. <laughs> It's weird for you to talk about Andy like that when he's right in front of you. <laughs> so every time we set up for Band Geek, um, Jarrett comes up with these wonderfully colorful, descriptive ways to talk about the problems he's having. <laughs> like, I sound like I'm on old-time radio. So, you, can't, you can't just say what's wrong. With well, I, but I have to describe what it is.
2: Otherwise, I'm going to be like, I have a, th- a thing. And you're going to be like, what kind of a thing? And it's like, because I sound like I'm on old-time radio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I sound like Bane. Everybody
1: <laughs> okay. sounds like this. Well,
0: our our favorite one is when you would do sound for the uh, for weddings, and the old lady would come over. Can you turn it down a couple of octaves? Oh my <laughs> god,
1: dude! You, all right, you, all you, right, but, you just, you just yeah. dictated the whole podcast. Yeah. I I can go, I can do an hour of this. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was doing I was subbing a job, doing a sound job for a friend, and and the gig was for uh, an Italian singer named Antonio and uh, his accompanist, who was a really, really wonderful piano player. So, you know, I set up a little PA, like a little, uh, you know, um, Mackie or Yamaha or whatever with a couple of uh, little 12-inch speakers on stands, and that was it. And, you know, I just had to plug in. It's a two-input gig. Mm -hmm. It's Or maybe even two inputs and, like, a CD player for like you know in between music right so a little reverb or
2: something maybe <laughs> that's the story uh <laughs> you in so, one channel a Discman in the other
1: so I had so I had you know the piano and the vocal going with a little bit of reverb and the guy singing you know and now the end is near and so I face the final curtain and he's, go- and he's going and and he comes along to me Richie Richie, it sounds beautiful, but it's missing something. It needs uh, more velvet.
2: <laughs> so, and that was, I, the, that was the gig you did with the Nasenex? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was. Uh, uh, but can I tell you the sad thing? I knew exactly what he was talking about. He wanted, like, you know, super high end and, and cheesy reverb. Yeah. <laughs> If you listen to, like, you know, um, that sort of, like, Italian croonery music with the um, uh, Yamaha Arranger piano backing track, and, and, and it's got that, like, really, like, thin reverb on right, top, right, that's, right. that's Velvet. Actually, it's more like Velveeta. Because <laughs> it's cheese.
0: But you knew exactly what he was talking
1: about. Yeah, I had the... Um, I Oh, my God. I When I was doing sound for my dad's wedding band, I, and I did that... This is an interesting story because I did it. Um, like, I never was offered the job. I was, it was like, I was, he said, Okay, you're doing sound for my band now. Okay. And that was, and that was it. Like, I never, he said, Hey, would you like to do sound for my band? He's like, No, you know, do for me. He's like, Do for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, do for me. Yeah, but um, I sing songs. <laughs> uh, so I just remember, and I'm, you know, I like rock and roll. So, and I have like a nice big twenty-four or thirty-two channel mixer in front of me, so I want to push things. And you know, there's a very my dad's wedding band was very high energy, and and you know, they're doing like you know, '90s dance music and and like Jackson Five and disco. It's like you know, you wanna you wanna feel that music, you wanna pump it. So I just remember one instance where I'm uh, I'm doing sound, and this fucking annoying dude comes up to me. He's like. <laughs> You need to blah, 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 blah. you know you need to lower the mix because people are trying to talk. I said, um, "There's lots of places in this venue where you can go talk, but th- you're standing on the dance floor trying to have a conversation." You know right. what I mean? He goes, "Listen, my wife has an album." That's what he said, <laughs> that's what he said to me, and I was like, at that point, I, I must have been like 20. I'm like, "Sir, I have three albums. <laughs> go away." You know? Oh. Uh, Oh, and, there's, and there's one place I, We played this uh, I'm not going to mention names but We played this um, Totally Guido place In Brooklyn Not the place I got married A different Guido place In Brooklyn totally uh, Guido place You got married with In Queens Yeah um, <laughs> It's the same thing um, And uh, I just remember Like You see All like Anthony Jr. And Joey And, and Mike They're all there You know what I mean uh, Everybody's Just total Guido central You know how many guys Come to me And go, Yo Raise the kick. <laughs> Raise the kick. I was like, oh, okay, great. You know one term to right, tell Sato right. no Sound Engineer. Raise the kick. <laughs> Let me guess, your brother-in-law is a DJ. Good for you. Good for you. Good. F- good, good for you. Good for
0: you. Can, can you tell my, my favorite my uh, new favorite story? Which is when you uh, mixed uh, when you took an iPad away from someone. Oh, <laughs>
2: This is... Uh, I, I don't know if I Wait, should... have you heard this story? No, but did you hear that sound, that, like, Richie, like, oh, sound, and then the clink? Richie's <laughs> drinking Mountain Dew out of a rocks glass. <laughs> this is the
0: kind of... I
1: have, I, I have many stories to tell right now. Okay, okay. Remind me to tell you the base story after this, but anyway. Okay. Um, so you took some away somebody's? No, did, did I tell the story in the podcast before? I don't um, remember. I don't think so. Lot. You know what? Fuck it if I did, because this is the yeah. greatest story. <laughs> no, but this is... We're what gonna make a T-shirt out of this, by the way. If and I don't want it. No one. By the way, this is copyright Richie Castellano right here. So don't steal my idea. I will come after you. Anyway, so <laughs> it's uh, on a podcast, it's,
2: it's gonna be so it's,
1: it's gonna be uh, time stamped. Uh, yeah.
0: It's gonna be time stamped. It's so, so, a time
1: stamp with my idea. Yeah, um, it's right after the brat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I was doing. Um, it, this was this was like a series of events. Uh I went to
0: your wife's
2: gig.
1: No, no, no. I went to Anne first. I went to Ann Rees recital. Okay, right. And when was this? This was like last year. Oh, okay. Oh,
2: her the the one she teaches.
1: Okay. Yeah, I went to Ann Reeves recital that she for her students, and I'm sitting there next to um, her. One of her. Okay, okay. This is. I I need to take a few steps back. I need to set everything up properly. Um, when I was in high school, uh, one of my mentors was a guy named Lou Manorino, who who runs a very successful sound company right now. If you if you're into um, live sound, just open up an audio magazine. You'll probably see him on a Sennheiser ad or something like that. Right. Uh, and and you know, me and Andy and a lot of our friends worked for Lou's sound company in high school. So he taught us a lot about live sound, and um, also um, he ran the company with his his wife. Uh, who is now his ex-wife. But uh, oddly enough, Lou, uh, his wife's name is Tony. Lou, or ex-wife's name is Tony. Lou and Tony, uh, their daughter studies with Anne Marie at the school. So now when I go to Anne Marie's recitals, they're there. So I'm at this recital, and I'm sitting next to Tony, uh, and we're listening to the choir sing, choir of about 20 girls, and we hear one voice coming out of the PA (laughs) system. So it's like, you know, it's, it's supposed to sound like a beautiful, uh, you know, like, like just like harmonious G- group of, group yeah. of, <laughs> of, of a choir, right? Instead, it sounds like oh, <Wha-> <laughs> like one girl, right? And I'm, I'm looking up. I'm like, what the fuck? And I see there's like one hanging mic from the ceiling, like over that girl. Mm-hmm. So all the person has to do is just lower that mic and maybe blend it with the other mics, right? So I get up, I walk to the back of the auditorium, and the sound guy is sitting there with, like, three of his friends, and he's texting, right? And I go, um. now, I'm, I hate when I'm mixing a show, and people come up to me and give me, like, uh, you know, uh, yeah. audio advice. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm very sensitive when so I... So you
0: know how it feels, so you don't want to be that guy. Yeah,
1: I'm, so I'm very sensitive about it. So I try to be very respectful, So I go up to the sound guy who's just sitting there, like, not paying attention. You know what I mean? And I go, "Um, I'm sorry to bother you. And I don't mean to bother you, but um, I'm sitting towards the front. And you can only really hear one girl through the PA, you know. Guy's like, oh, it's it's the mics. (laughs) I said, yeah, but, you know, maybe you should lower that mic. <laughs> and balance it. I said, "If you, t- if, I said, if you take a qu- a quick walk of the room, you- you'll hear him talking about." It. He goes, "Yeah, it's, it's the mics." Just I said, "Dude, I'm trying to help you. Your mix is whack, <laughs> <laughs> bro, bro. Your mix is whack." Yeah. So that's that's that became my catchphrase of the week. I think I said it two more times. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the what was the other time I said it. I can't remember, but I definitely remember the second time I said it of the three. I know I said it three times yeah. that week, but the second time I said it, uh, I went to go see Anne Marie's band uh, that she has with Joey Martin, who was on like a few weeks back. Um, their band is a really wonderful, uh, you know, club date, cover band uh, called Wedding, o- band. Wedding Band Almost Easy. Yeah. And I saw them in a club and they were splitting the bill with another great band called the Benjamins. And the Benjamins, since they were sort of um, like closing the gig, uh, they said, "Why don't we use our PA, our sound guy? You know what I mean. And you guys just plug into our gear, you know. And we'll, you know, we'll share amps just to make it easy. Now, you really have to have a good relationship with another band if you're going to be sharing gear. Uh, but they're the two, those two bands are very uh, symbiotic, and they, they, you know, they, they get along. So, okay, no problem. So the Benjamins' sound guy didn't." Has never mixed almost easy. Doesn't understand. Doesn't know anything about them. So I'm sitting watching. And okay, let me just give you a picture. This guy is wearing, you know, wearing like a sort of like a posh club. You know what I mean? Like the girls are all wearing like skirts and stuff. And the guys have like button down shirts. Um, And this guy is wearing like cargo shorts (laughs) and a black t-shirt that says Sound Crew. (laughs) (laughs) And And it's
2: not a... Sound crew T-shirt that the, the venue gave him. It's from Old Navy. <laughs> I've been on many
0: sound crews, and I've never. had I don't ha- own one shirt. That
2: it's like, says sound crew. On it's it. It. You know that it's you know your it's your job when your T-shirt or your jacket says it, like
1: security, parking patrol. But I mean, he's he's dressed like a schlub at this gig, so he's already out of his element, and and the mix is horrible. Right, like background vocals are louder than lead. Vo- like there's, there's no blend across the harmonies. You know what I mean? Like one guy's, like the bass, pl- bass player harmony vocal is louder than the lead vocal. There's no blend. Right. There's, and I'm just, but I'm like, okay, I already did this this week. I'm not gonna go up to another person and and interfere with their mix. But
0: wasn't there also like backing tracks and stuff like that?
1: Well, that's I'm getting to. Okay. That. Sorry. So I'm saying like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not gonna do it this time. I'm Just gonna sit here, you know. I, I never out to see them play. I'm gonna be a good husband and shut the hell up and watch them play. So the so but what really bugged me is the guy. He's he has one of those Presonus uh, Studio Live mixers where you can if you hook up a router to it, you can actually mix on an iPad. So if you bring like so you bring your mixer to the gig, you plug all of the instruments and the microphones. Into the into the mixer, right? Then you plug a router, like a wireless router, into the mixer, mm. and then there's an app you can download. On, I keep hearing popping. I hope that's not coming up on the, the whatever. Stop okay. hearing weird shit. I'm hearing weird shit. You're gonna
2: now have to add pops later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, uh, and you get the app on the iPad, and then you can actually walk the venue and mix, which is really nice. If you can't set up your mix position in a good spot, you could just walk the room and mix. So this now, so this guy's doing that. He's got his app. He's got his iPad. He's got his, you know, his white sneakers, his his, his khaki cargo shorts, and his and his black crew t shirt, and uh, this big fat fuck. And he's uh, and he's and he's walking around, and he's like, he's making the yeah face. Yeah, this mix sounds great. And I'm like, really, dude. So anyway, so I wasn't saying anything. Then they go into at least
0: he's not like sitting there texting like the other guy. Yeah, yeah. At
1: least he, at least he's like pretending he knows what he's doing. (laughs) That'd be like me walking the room. Get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets an E for effort. Yeah. So, then now I don't know Anne Marie's uh, repertoire too much with her band. You know, at that point I hadn't really played with them, Um, but I knew that there was one song that they played with a backing track, Uh, and they because there's no keyboard player in that band. They're just the guitar, bass, drums, and vocal. So uh, they did I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. And I didn't hear anything. And I just the heard piano like and no piano and strings, no percussion. I was like, okay. And then they went to go do like a hip-hop medley, which I know they have a track for. Yeah. And it was basically bass, drums, and vocals. There's like no sound effects. So I said, okay. I said, you know, like I don't want to like affect – I don't want to uh, go up and, and rub my nose somewhere else's again mix, <laughs> but, but this guy is sabotaging their gig. Right, you know what I mean? Because like they're, they're, half the shit's missing. So, very politely, I get up and I go and I go up to him. I say, um, "Hey, man, uh, you know, I'm really sorry to bother you. I don't, I don't mean. I hate to do this, but um, I think they play with backing tracks." He's like, "What?" I was like, "You know, they're like samples, like backing tracks with like keyboards and uh, you know, percussion and stuff." And the guy looks at me like, "You fucking asshole!" He goes, "Here." He hands me the iPad. I go. Thanks. I, 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 I walk away. I sit down at my chair and I fix the mix. I bring the sample back up. I balance the vocals out. And the guy comes over to me. What the fuck are you doing? I was like, I was like, dude, your mix was whack. I fixed it. <laughs> Whack, it was right? a challenge. <laughs> he
0: handed it to you like you weren't going to do yeah, it. They're like, "Oh,
1: look at this jerk off!" I'm like, "Dude, I have one of these mixers at the, at the <laughs> office. You know what I mean? I know exactly how to use this idiot. <laughs> so you know what I mean? So you think you can do better? Yeah. Yes, and, then, and then that's all this, why I
2: came over. And then
1: all these people will come up to me, like, "Oh my god, what'd you do? You fixed it?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did. I did fix it. Your mix was whack. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't say it was. I said I said the same thing. Because yeah. I was. I think I was." Subconsciously cultivating this new catchphrase, like, "Dude, your mix is whack. I fixed it for you." And then I was all agitated the rest of the night.
2: Why? I've. Why do you think a lot? And then of you venues... did it a third
0: time that week, but you don't. Really...
1: I care. I know there was another time I did it, but it, I think I think I did it just to make it three. I think I just. I think at that point I just bullied someone, like you know. So.
0: You were in Muff's car, like, "Dude, your mix is whack."
1: Dude, <laughs> dude, you get the fucking bass and treble all the way up. Your, your EQ curve is whack. So. <laughs>
2: Why do you think a lot of venues just don't know how to like hire a person that mixes well? Because I feel like that's a really common
1: problem. Oh, there's a very simple question to that. Uh, you get what you pay for. Uh, oh, sorry. Answer to that. Yeah. The uh, the answer to that is you get what you pay for.
0: I mean, it's it the the people the sound people at clubs and stuff is like that's a stepping stone to a better gig.
2: Right. But also. So- that's it's like
0: a learn. That's more of a learning, or it's just
2: like it's like job. The, the assistant manager's cousin, sometimes.
1: Well, no, th- at, at both of these, um, at both of these uh, instances with these two stories I just told you, these are not house guys. These are both people that were hired oh. to do this gig, right? You know, but, it's like it's almost like when people buy uh, recording equipment and they go how come my stuff doesn't sound like uh, Dev Leopard? you know? Well, because you're not really an engineer. You know what I mean? You can have all the equipment, you can have the fancy um, you know, Studio Live preSonus mixer and you can have the <laughs> iPad app, but you could still not know what the fuck you're doing and get a crappy mix. Right. It's very possible. So and it also
0: works the inverse when when you have like an amazing engineer working with like some old gear or something, they can make it sound amazing sometimes.
1: Well, in college, there was a joke about me that um, I used to like to work in the the lousy studio because, <laughs> because you know I, I, it was easier to get time there. And I remember my friend uh, Phil Maffa, who's a really great engineer, used to like um, they asked him to write a proposal on new equipment for the gear. and he was like, one of the lines for his proposal said, and we need new compressors. I don't care how much Richie Castellano likes those one-knob Well, that's what you
2: were trained on. You were trained on uh, eight-channel mixers that seven channels worked. So. <laughs> we've, we've gone it over makes... this at length
1: in the store. You make it work. You, you make the best out of what you have, and that's it. Well, you know, that's something I used to tell my students. Uh, you know, they would buy um, an M-Box. Uh, for those of you that don't know what an M-Box is, that's uh, a very basic... Two channel entry level entry level recording uh, piece of hardware. Uh, it comes with Pro Tools, uh, which is the industry standard multi track recording program. And uh, uh, two channels means you can record two things at a time. You can record left and right outputs of a keyboard, or you can record you know your vocal and your guitar, or you know kick and snare, just whatever two things you want. And uh, and my students would always say like, oh. This is too limiting," I said. "Well, why don't you show me what you can record first before you talk about how limited you are? You know, right. Show me, show me what you can do with this, and then you'll appreciate and value uh, having more later on. You know, down the road. Prove to me that your mix is not whack."
0: <laughs> okay, I have another story.
1: <laughs> another, um, this is a uh, a wedding story, and I've been dying to tell this in the show, and I haven't had a chance to. So here, here's my chance. Doing a gig. Uh, can you guys hear this? Yeah. Right, I'm doing a gig. I'm playing bass with Anne-Marie's band. And uh, they call the song Jersey Girl. But uh, I think it's like a Tom Waits tune by Bruce Springsteen does. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know that song?
2: I'm a Jersey girl <laughs> in a Jersey world. Let, let me, let me no. find a lyric. Let so we can play this? <laughs> a... Tans and Laundry. It's a quandary.
1: <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> got no time for the corner boys. The street that whatever the fuck it is.
0: Sha la 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 Sha la 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 So anyway,
1: that's like the uh, that's like the kind of song it is. So I'm playing. Is that Brown Eyed Girl? Sha la
0: la la la.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm playing bass. Right? <laughs> i love with a Jersey girl. Say right? So I'm doing that. And I'm just grooving on that because I'm like, yeah, I got this. This is an easy song. And the melody, like... So, some songs, the melody will teleport when the chord change is going to happen. Oh, te- teleport, um, uh, uh, telegraph when the, uh, when the, uh, the chord change is going to happen. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, so now we have a chord change. It's going to go to the four chord and go to the one chord, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, I got this, right? No problem. Easy song. Anne Marie gives me the stink eye. And she's like giving me hand signals. She's going like one, three, five, one, three, five with her hand. I'm going, there's no three chord in this song. <laughs> this is a one. Yeah. D, a four chord, G, and, and A, the five chord. There's no like... Uh, All right. <laughs> the, that, no the, three? Never goes to a minor chord in the song. There's no three chord. But she keeps like... Looking at me with like the James, and she's doing like James Brown, like you know how everybody used to say James Brown, just be like five dollars and flashes his uh you know five right. fingers at you five dollars. She's doing it like that to me, but one, three, five, like, and did you just find me nine dollars or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? So she's going one, three, five, one, three, five, and I'm playing the whole song, and she's giving me the dirty looks and going one, three, five, one, three, five throughout the whole thing. So finally, she like comes up to me. There's like you know. One chorus left in the song. She goes, "Asshole." Ba 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 ba. One three five one. She's she's not giving me chord changes. She's giving me scale degrees. So the bass say, line. you know. One three five. La 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 la. Right. She's she's feeding me the bassline, and I go, "Oh." <laughs> so the, for the rest of the song, I'm like, and she's like, "Yeah, idiot." So anyway, that was that. That was embarrassing. The next song we play is, um, you know, if we play this guitar. Right? So it comes in, you know, with the bass solo. You know, quintessential, uh, classic bass line. Mm -hmm. Then the groove comes in. <laughs> <laughs> I play the Jersey Girl face like that. And the whole band's looking at me. Now luckily this is at the end of the night when everybody's drunk. So, but the whole band's looking at me like, what is he doing? Right? <laughs> then the next song is like, you know, uh, but... Tommy used to work on the dogs.
0: You need a band was love <laughs> <laughs>
1: and every song, so every song you just played the, that had bass the line. jersey girl bass line for the rest of the night. <laughs> nice, yep. Um, okay, I'm gonna uh switch topics here. And there's something I saw on Facebook. Well, I see it on Facebook every once in a while, um, in various forms musicians writing open letters to venues, mm. you know what I mean. This thing is still popping, but whatever, I have to deal with it. I'm writing an open letter to my audio interface to stop popping. <laughs> okay, I'll take. If you hear some pops, um, sorry. <laughs> That's all I can say.
2: I, I... It's, I'm just eating Rice Krispies. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah,
1: muff's eat. Yeah, muff. Yeah, that that yeah. All right, whatever. I was gonna make a joke, but I don't care. Uh, so because you, but you couldn't think of one. Yeah, couldn't think of one funny enough. Uh. You're saying he's eating Matzah Krispies? There you go. There's a joke. What? Thank you.
2: How is that a thing? They would get so soggy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but Rice Krispies always sort of got soggy after a while.
2: Also, Rice Krispies have rhythm and Jews don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's the joke we needed. There it is. Go and on. we're back. And Welcome open back. open letter to
2: music venues.
1: <laughs> oh, so, yeah, there's like, oh, every once in a while I see some musician, usually a jazz musician, has written, <laughs> written an open letter to venue owners uh, about, you know, why you're mistreating bands and all this stuff. I mean, generally, this is the gist of the letters. Uh, and it's come in several different forms. I think I've even written one for my students at some point. Um, but generally it's, it's not the band's responsibility to bring people to your venue. Um, if you keep hiring the lowest common denominator, and the cheapest thing, you're driving people away because you're not supplying good music for people. Um, you know, you're not you're not developing your own following if you depend on bands for following. Uh, you know, so it's it's there's a lot of lot of interesting points. Um, I know a lot of our listeners um, aren't musicians per se, like they don't go and play gigs, but if you do, it's really tough. Um, I'm trying to think of a way to... to well, okay, I'll, I'll break the process down for you. If So if you've never booked a gig before and you're wondering how to book a gig, um, this is how it usually happens. You say there's a local bar. The bar's name is... Think of a bar name. Muff.
2: Bar none. All right, it's called
1: Muff's. Muff's <laughs> Bar. That's so a different bar altogether. Muff's Bar, uh, you want to play there, so you.
2: But the humidity and is always way up in there. Yeah, <laughs> go on.
1: So you go to Muff's Bar and, and you want to play there, so you call them up or you send them an email. Say hi, you know I have a band. Um, we're called the Band Geeks, and we'd like to play there. And, and some
0: it, places have a booking email yeah. on their so website. So that's that's so.
1: hurdle number one. You got to find. The right person to talk to,
0: and some places have a separate booking person. Like if you just call the main number, they might yeah. say this person does the booking.
1: Yeah, it's and it's that's a whole other thing. A, a, you really have to feel out the, the dynamic there. Back when I had a cover band and I was trying to book a lot of gigs, um, and I would call these places, they wanted to see you, they wanted to meet you. You know what I mean? So you had to come down there, and then they'd ask you for like a press kit. So you know we had to make. Uh, print up photos and make a DVD or a VHS, depending on how long ago this was. <laughs> and uh you CD, know, we had to act a out cassette? a play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a no, C D of music. You basically music? take like your five best songs that describe what your band does, a nice little sampling, and you put like, you know, a minute of each of them in my thing is screwing up again. Uh, a, a minute of each of them in there. So we would do that and then if the club owner thought you were, you know, good enough he'd give you a date but now here's and now here's what hasn't here's changed here's
0: the particulars yeah
1: um so they wouldn't really want to start you off on a busy night uh a weekend and, yeah so they'll start you on a weekday and they'll say um how much pe- how many people do you usually draw and this is the big problem because um me i think of myself as a musician and not as a promoter and that's how most musicians feel is like wait I'm playing at your bar to entertain your audience. And venues are like, no, you. I'm hiring you so you bring your friends to come see you and drink in my bar. And this is the big um, disagreement between venue owners and musicians, is musicians feel that No, you are hiring me to provide entertainment to your patrons. Right, a service. Just like you um, pay your bartender and your chef and your busboy and your hostess and your waitresses. They're all providing you with the service that you are paying for. You know, you and the same goes for your entertainment. You are paying for them. Just, Just like the chef makes food for your customers, the band makes music for your customers. Or
0: even if you're paying your cable bills so you could put the game on your TV...
1: Right, <laughs> it's all services, but
2: yeah, but it's more similar to like the chef thing. It's like if you hired a chef, and you were like, "Okay, uh, what kind of food do you make?" It's like, "Okay, we make uh, burgers, fries, sandwiches, that kind of stuff." Um, how many of your friends do you think you could get to come <laughs> eat your food? Right,
1: that's the big problem. Um, and now, it seems obvious uh, from this, you know, particular story here that oh, the venue owners are wrong. You know, they should just pay for it. Um, but here's here's what happened. This is a little brief history of how the local bar scene almost across the country got really screwed up. Um, okay, say we're the band geeks, right? Uh, we're a band. We've been together for six years and we're, we're a good band. You know what I mean? Like we always have a good night when the, the good night meaning like um, the people are always entertained You know what I mean uh, We have g- good quality Good repertoire That stuff um, So But We're not promoters We are a band So You know We we do our job We entertain people Now We charge Let's say we charge $500 And we're a five piece band So that's $100 a man That's kind of low But that's what we charge And that's what this bar Has been paying us Okay well, the uh, think of another band name Muff. Uh,
2: Andy's
1: Candies. Okay, Andy's Candies is a high school band, right? Uh, they really want to play, right? They really really, really want to play. Um, so they call up the bar, they call up Muffs Bar and they say, Mus Bar, we have a band we really want to play. and Muffs Bar goes, um, okay, where have you played before? Oh, we haven't, but we just want to play. You know, money is not an object. That's what they'll say. So Muffs Bar goes, okay, um, I'll give you half the door, right? And and I feel like that's even generous for yeah. a band that's not. Andy's before. Candies will be like, oh great, you know what I mean? Or they'll there's oh there's a whole bunch of other scenarios. We'll just say this is this is what it is for now. Half the door. Andy's Candies is so excited they're playing and they're all in high school though all their friends come because they never play, Right? right? They, they can't play. They can barely play. They've only been together for four weeks. You know, they've rehearsed maybe three times. Uh, they don't sound professional, but they brought all their friends in from high school, right? So the, the the owner over at Muffs is like, wait a minute. So I have to give the band geeks a $500 guarantee for them to come in and play music. Uh, and they don't bring anybody. I mean, they're great. Uh, I mean, they're... They're the kind of music I really want at my club. You know, it matches the whole theme of the club I'm going for, and it provides the atmosphere I want as an, as a venue owner. But no one's here. But no no one's here. Uh, they're not bringing anybody. So the club owner doesn't stop and think to themselves. Why is no one coming to my club? You know, maybe I have to advertise, or maybe I have to run some specials. You know what I mean? Or maybe I have to do this. I have to attract people. They say, "Oh, this band doesn't bring anybody." But Andy's Candies, who I only have to pay half the door, so basically, if they bring no one, I don't have to pay them anything. Uh, they they bring you know forty of their friends. You know what I mean, and they pack my place out, and I have to pay them.
0: And if you want to go even further with that, the evil uh, club owner scenario, uh, none of their uh, friends drank any mm. of the booze, yeah. so I didn't really make money. So I'm going to tell them that, and only give them a quarter right. of the door.
1: Right, right. So you get this band to come in. Uh, it's not exactly doesn't match the what you had in mind for your club. Um, they're not good, they're not professional, and you have like a, you're have a. you trying to get a professional, you know, appearance, professional vibe going at your place, but they're not that. But hey, from a business point of view, you have all these people in there, but you could, maybe they're underage, so they're buying burgers, fries, and Cokes, you know what I mean? But um, your place is packed and you basically, oh, and now, you, right, like Andy said, you don't even have to pay them half the door. Let's say it's a $10 cover and they bought 40 people, so that's 400 bucks, right? Uh, and now you have to give them two hundred dollars of that. But what you say is, listen, guys, you know it was a slow night. Uh, I can't pay you. No they one was the drinking. And and the band goes, what do you mean it was a slow night? You know, um, we had all these people. Well, no one was really drinking. So here's a hundred dollars, right. and the band will take it. They'll take it, and they'll give. And this, they're, they're a four-piece band. They'll give twenty-five dollars. Like, wow, person. money. <laughs> and they're like, wow, we made it, right? Okay, so what just happened there is that now, um, okay, to the to Andy's Candies. They're thinking it's great. They got to look like rock stars in front of their friends. They got a little pocket change, uh, and you know it's and gas money. Yeah, whatever. They're they're really happy. The club's really happy. But what's the problem here? Okay, the problem here is that Andy's Candies isn't realizing is, um, you had to pay for rehearsal space, guys. Uh, you had to pay for your instruments, guitar strings. You had to pay for lessons. You had to pay for Drumsticks. supplies. You had to pay for all that. You had to put gas in your car. You know what I mean? You had All this stuff. To get there, and you, you, you're first of all, you're in the red now, you know what I mean? Because you didn't make any of that. But a bigger problem is now the musicians who are pros can't get any work because they can't possibly do a four piece or five piece band gig for a hundred dollars flat, and now the bar owners are going to get used to this, and not only. Will they exploit this deal of these younger bands? or It doesn't have to be younger bands. It could be like a band of people who are like accountants. You know what I mean? They work at an accounting firm. And then on the weekends, they have a, a band that plays classic rock. You know what I mean? And they'll go do a bar, and they'll bring their whole firm with them. But they suck. You know what I mean? Right. So So now, if you're not, here's the problem: you're not as a venue owner, you're not cultivating your audience. Because when, okay, say we have the the accountants. That's the name of their band, and they play, you know, the best of Creedence Clearwater Revival and Cream. You know what right. I mean? And uh, okay, your your regulars who want to come to your bar to see something cool, they leave because these guys suck. But you have the fifty people from the accounting firm coming down. The problem is tomorrow they're not going to be there. Those people, right? They're only coming to see their friends play. So what you've done is you've sacrificed long-term audience for a short-term customer little right. influx, right? right? And maybe they are drinking. But the thing about them is they don't. A, a band like that, if they're all accountants, they all have say they're all making over a hundred thousand dollars in their day job. They don't need to job. make money. They don't want to make money. Right. They they want a venue. It's a fun they want a venue for their their buddies to come see them jerk around on stage. Right. Um okay, now there is nothing So it's not just the high school kids. Yeah, it's not just the, it could be anybody. But here's the thing that I have to stress to people and I know that different musicians of different levels listen to this show and I'm not talking down to anybody. I just want you to understand that what I what I what I can't stress enough to you is if you're in that category of being sort of someone who plays as a hobbyist and you want a place to play you sh- that's fine And you should get your place to play Because if you're going to bring 40 of your friends down Then guess what You should have a place to play However Do not accept a shitty deal from the bar Because what you're doing Is on a, a larger level On a larger scale You are destroying the music industry Your local music scene You're killing it Because the bar owners Or the venue owners Are going to get accustomed To not having to pay for music and, and you'll never have a good bands there Now you might not give a shit But the thing is If you really love music enough to want to You know Devote your hobby to it You should give a shit about what you're doing to it On the whole You're killing it Is what you're doing So you really have to get paid And you know what If people think Well if I ask for money They won't let me play Well you know what Then you have to get better Then maybe instead of having two rehearsals Have four rehearsals You know what I mean Maybe practice Four rehearsals all... Yeah Maybe practice a little more. If you if you can't deliver, you know, the goods and you're worried about, you know, not being worthy of getting paid, then make yourself better. It's just there everybody is just it's so they think, oh, you know, I really wanna I really wanna wanna play. So yeah. Well, you know what? The chef really wants to cook and the bartender really wants to serve drinks. But they also really have to get paid for it. That's why they do it. You know, this is a profession. The problem is with music, the lines between um, hobby and profession are sort of blurred because music can be a hobby. Uh, But for me, music is a hobby when you keep it, when you're playing in your bedroom. You know what I mean? When When you're just jamming with friends in your house or you meet up at a rehearsal studio to play some tunes, that's a hobby. Once you book yourself a gig and you're going into... The uh, the real world, and you're playing in front of people at a at a venue. You are not a hobbyist anymore, and you have to accept that you have to be responsible with the whole, you know, musical community. You have to be responsible enough to get paid. And I tell that to everybody: get paid. Now, what's happened as a result of this is now there are even the the bar owners they take no risk. You know, they'll take zero risk now. Now they'll even say, okay. Um, we are not going to pay you, but what we'll do is we'll sell you tickets. So we'll sell you 50 tickets um, at $5 each, and you can sell them to your friends at $10, and you keep that money. So say you have to buy 50 tickets at $5. That's um, uh, $250. $250. So, Okay, you have to pay two hundred and fifty dollars, right? No but matter
0: you, how many tickets you sell or not. No,
1: you, so 80. you have to pay them. Right. So you want to play here? Give us two hundred fifty dollars. Okay. So you go there, you give them two fifty, you sell them. But let's say now you can now you can make money. You can sell tickets. You know what I mean? So you think, well, I can make two hundred fifty dollars for my band if I sell fifty tickets and charge ten dollars. But guess what happens? No one ever sells fifty tickets right. ahead right. of time. You're not going to. So you basically pay them to play at their place. That's what ends up happening. And this is the newest thing that people are doing and it's disgusting. it's, it's just it's disgusting. You 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 have to say, you have to just say no. You have to say no. If you're a if you're a musician and you don't want to play $75 gigs anymore, you have to say no to $75 gigs. And so this is like a call to arms <laughs> for all musicians. Stop playing shitty gigs. Stop accepting these bad deals because you're ruining it for everybody and yourself. And another thing I tell my students is you know, okay, right now you might really be playing for fun and you might really, really, really want to have a venue that has you. But isn't the goal with studying music to one day make a career out of it? What kind of gigs are going to be left for you if you and, and all the bands your age? Are playing for free right now. In ten years, when you're ready to do professional work, what's going to be there for you? Nothing, because by that point, everybody's going to be paying to play. The bar is basically to just: you want to play here? It's going to you have to pay a fee. And you know, I so a lot of people ask me, you know, when's your next local gig? I don't do them because I'm not going to fight a, a venue owner who doesn't know anything about music uh, over what I should be paid. I know what I should be paid. And if they're not willing to pay it, I'm not going to to play it. You know what I mean? It's like you, you don't call up a plumber and say, uh, "I'll give you uh, 50 bucks to come here and fix my you know my pipes on a Saturday night." On a Saturday <laughs> night, you know what I mean? Uh, get and get get uh, four of your other friends to come help you. <laughs> you don't say it, and and you know what? Like, I don't mean to sound cold and dispassionate about music, but this is my trade. This is what I do. This is what I went to college for. This is what I've chosen to do with my life. And I I can't be treated like a kid when I call up a bar. You know what I mean? And I want to play.
2: Also, you don't like to play local gigs because you think of everyone else as ants that you step on. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> I am mightier than you. What are you talking about? Uh, I don't about? have to entertain you with my musicianship. No, actually, <clears throat> that brings me to my next point. No, it didn't. It does. <laughs> you, uh... Why do you think I do this podcast? Because... <laughs> I don't I was... know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not <laughs> that. Um Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, next subject. No, um, I was
2: gonna say there's a similar there's a similarity to it. I mean, obviously this is a music podcast, but when you start out in stand up, it's a very similar process. It's like you think you're funny. You want to start doing stand up. You think you should do stand up, so you start writing material, or you think you're writing material. And then you find comedy clubs or open mic nights and you go and they say, okay, we have an open mic night on Monday. Yeah. You can come up and you get five minutes and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then you, they go, okay. So you go and you do it because you want to get on stage and it's a Monday and you try and get your friends to come down. But usually you're playing to an empty room.
0: Because your friends aren't going to come down on a Monday. your friends are going to come down on a Monday. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so what happens though is that if you do that enough, the club owners will see you. Um, or you start making a name for yourself of people that are actually like legitimately funny and they can see something. So then, what they kind of do... It's also
0: like a networking thing because there's multiple comics there.
2: Yeah, well, you go to an open mic night, there's 25 people that go up and, you know... The thing that stinks about open mic nights is you're going and you're doing stand up. The next person is singing. The next person is doing <laughs> <right>. slam poetry. <laughs> um, they're pretty. They're pretty amazing to watch sometimes, though. But the, the short version is that you do these, and then sometimes if it's at act- actual comedy club, sometimes the club owner will be like, "Hi, on Thursday we're having um, a show. Uh, you uh, you know we have headliners, but from eight to ten you can uh, we do what's called a bringer show." And that's basically, you want to come up on stage, you can come for the bringer show. Um, You'll have seven minutes. You need to bring 15 people with you.
1: And And what happens if you don't bring them?
2: Then you don't get to go on stage. Wow. So when I started doing stand-up, there was, you know, I was doing all these bringer shows. But the problem is that even though you do them and people want to go to them, after you do them for like two or three months you run out of friends right? Oh, because I can't convince you to come to every single show in the village on a Thursday and a Friday and hear your right? same act and hear the same, yeah, <laughs> 12 minutes or, you know, eight minutes that you have on paper. But out of those shows, usually at bringer shows, usually it's the booking agents for the club or sometimes booking agents from other clubs or, you know, uh, you know, just word of mouth from the from the owners and stuff like that and they can see people who are legitimately getting laughs and then you sort of progress so it's like, Okay, um, why don't you come later, you know, you can do the nine o'clock, and you don't have to bring anybody, but we're not paying you. Huh. So, and then once you progress past that, then maybe you'll open for the opening for the opening for the opening for the headliner, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and you go through that. So it takes a very, that's why it takes a very long time, but once you do get through that, then you start making a little bit of money, and then that's why all stand-up comics start writing. Like, for, you know, want to write for TV and stuff like that. Because trying to live and work as a stand-up comic is almost next to impossible.
1: Well, the, you know, it's a little different with music. I mean, it's very, obviously there are similarities. It's a little different because of all the shit we have to bring with us to do what we have to do. I mean, a stand-up comic, you can go, as long as you yourself shows up to the gig, you can do the gig.
0: And you could do three shows at different places in one night.
2: You go do an eight o'clock, then you go do a nine o'clock, then you go do an eleven thirty. Like you can bounce in because unless you're the headliner and you're doing forty five minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. to an hour and that's that's at a club too. That's not like there's a difference between doing a gig at like a comedy club and you're the headliner and it's just Right. He is performing this night, he has two opening you know, there's a guy opening for him and a guy opening for him and that's it. This is like Caroline's where they have shows at eight, ten and midnight and it's, you know a bunch of people, fifteen each. comics right. that are
0: going on that. I day. know. I, I saw that episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, when ex- he goes. Yes, back when he's forth. trying to go back and forth <laughs> across
2: town. Exactly.
1: I I noticed that a lot of like, the podcast medium really lends itself to comedy and comedians. Like a lot, almost every comedian has one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you really want to work out stuff and just you know try stuff out, and you don't want to schlep into the city or you know go book a gig for yourself, you can just do it right. From your computer at home and beam it to all of your uh, fans. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of what I'm doing here. It's like I think of okay, I could go load up my car with all my gear, bring it out, have someone spill beer on it. You know what I mean? You just stay don't there. like to leave your house. I don't stay there. <laughs> stay there for five hours. You get home at four in the morning. You know, and then have to fight the bar owner to get to give me uh, eighty dollars a man for my band. I'm like fuck that. I'd rather just sit here. In my basement, play a couple songs with my with people that I like, and then put it on the internet. And if people want to watch it, they could watch it. I mean, okay. Uh, aside from the Amazon link, which we'll do in a second, uh, you <laughs> well, know. I
2: was gonna say. How could you support this podcast, yeah. <laughs> Richie? Um, this stuff isn't free.
1: We don't we don't get paid for it. But the thing is, we don't have to. You know, it's it's no stress. You know what I mean? It's we come here, we play. That's it.
0: No stress. <laughs> Is it supposed to be no stress?
1: Comparatively. Comparatively. <laughs> Good point, Andy. Um,
0: you know, if you were to buy a new computer, you could probably <laughs> buy one on Amazon.
1: Okay, who <laughs> wants to do it? You know what, Andy, you can do it today. You never do it. Uh, give
2: them give him some music to play along with. for it. Listeners, Let's the, uh, ladies and the gentlemen, music listeners,
0: I'd like to talk about something very special, near and dear to our hearts. It's supporting this podcast One,
2: three, five
0: (laughs) Supporting this podcast And other podcasts It's very simple Just go to Ridecast.com Slash Band Geek Clink on Click Clink Clink (laughs) Click On the Amazon On the Amazon banner And then just go buy Some stuff on Amazon Buy Do you know what Buy a lot of stuff On Amazon After you click that And a small percentage Of your purchase With no extra cost to you Goes to help support This show and then tell your friends to do that too.
1: Did you tell them how to do it? Yes. Do it before you add anything to the cart. Yes.
0: Right? Yes. Go to riotcastcom geek first and buy buy lots of stuff.
1: And if
2: you feel and if you
0: use your Amazon uh, credit card, you get triple points too, triple dollars.
2: <laughs> and if you really feel like donating. You could do what I do, which is make your job order all of its office supplies from Amazon, <laughs> and just say, "Oh, I'll order them for you," and then you go to the Amazon.com and, and link tell on the your I family,
0: "Tell your family, hey, I'm ordering some stuff from Amazon. Do you need anything?" You order their stuff.
2: Uh, you know, Prime, only two days shipping.
1: And now that holiday season's upon us, <laughs> I expect to see my Amazon check growing, so I can buy sushi every week instead of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. For all your holiday shopping. No, I, I just, I po- I commented on one of these things that I really think the models about to shift. I think that either, either bands it's gonna are gonna be all Amazon. <laughs> no, no, I think, oh. I think either bands are gonna just, you know, get shittier and shittier, uh, or people are gonna shift to an online uh, model where, like,
0: purchasing things on Amazon. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> where you, you go to like your rehearsal studio or a video studio. And you play your gig live, and anybody who wants to come see it, you give $5 on PayPal, There's and you can lot, watch the stream.
0: A lot of people are doing that. There's a lot of different services doing that now, too. It's very easy to do.
1: I kind of want to do it's one. It's
0: almost as easy as going to riotcast.com slash bandgeek and clicking on the Amazon link. All
2: right, now we're just shoving it well, down. Well, now this throats. is like a muff joke. It won't, it won't <laughs> die. Now we're shoving it down people's throats. Um, okay,
1: <laughs> we're going we're gonna to put a pin in it here. And uh, actually, Andy played bass with us again. I uh, I did. How many times have you played with us? Have you lost count at this point?
0: Uh, it's definitely over a dozen really? times. I think maybe yeah, maybe closer played, to twenty.
1: Andy played bass uh, this week, a uh, weekend on the two Blue Oyster Cult shows. Yeah, uh, and um, we played in Florida, which is a uh, very um, culturally diverse <laughs> and lovely place. Uh, I'm going to. We played the Coconut Festival. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell <laughs> one little anecdote. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I'm going to leave you guys face. with this Well first of all it goes without saying that Andy did a fantastic job But the anecdote I'm going to tell Is from uh, The gig And we had, one of the gigs I think it was the first one We had a uh, an RV as our trailer And it was really hot So I couldn't didn't want to stay in there So I uh, was walking around After everybody sort of cleared out And just getting some air <laughs> And uh, there was a woman there You know maybe late 20s early 30s pretty pretty lady and she comes up to me she goes what are you doing I said oh, I'm just getting some air and she goes oh okay and uh, <laughs> and I go what are you doing and she goes I'm waiting <laughs> I said what are you waiting for and she said I'm waiting for that bitch bartender to come out here because I'm going to kick her ass <laughs> I said, Oh, okay. Um, uh, why are you going to kick and she was obviously drunk, right? Why are you gonna kick her ass? She said I bought a full bottle. I only had one drink, I didn't get a full bottle, and she went to go charge me for it, and then she had an argument with me. Well, I'm gonna show her. I'm gonna wait for her. Um and and this is like at this point it's like, you know, eleven fifty or something. I'm like, Well, when's her shift over? Uh 3 a.m. I'm like, so you're gonna be here for a while. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, well, that seems kind of silly, doesn't it? (laughs) Nope. Nope. I'm thinking, like, what am I doing? But nope, I know it's right. I'm gonna wait till she's out of here and I'm gonna beat her ass. (laughs) And I'm saying, saying, okay. And then I said, you know, that's gonna be a long wait and you'll probably be really tired. Why don't you just get a cab and just go home and, you know, and, and sleep it off? You know, you'll probably feel better tomorrow. Listen, I don't need anyone telling me what to do. Nice meeting you. Goodbye. And she walked away. <laughs> she was still polite, though. But nice meeting you. Nice meeting
2: you. And that woman, Hillary Clinton.
1: And we'll end it there. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Band Geek, folks. Oh. Yeah. I'm Richard Castellano. Uh, That's Jared uh, Pressman. Yeah. That's Andy Escalise. Yeah, yeah, We're sorry. the Band Geeks. And uh, see you next time. Thanks. Bye.
2: <laughs> okay. Are we really? No, you hang up first. (laughs) No, you hang up
1: first. Let's hang up at the same time. One, One, two, two, three. three.